Welcome to the Save What You Love podcast. I'm your host, Mark Titus. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with my friends Todd Soliday and Leah Warshawski, who are amazing filmmakers. Todd and Leah are also a married couple, and they're in business together as partners in their production company, Inflatable Film. They have created a ton of good work, but at the summit for me, anyway, currently is their film Big Sonia. It's a feature documentary about Leah's grandmother, Sonia, who is a survivor of the Holocaust and who's standing at four foot eight inches, packs a wallop of life, love, motivation, and wisdom into her tiny frame and shares it with the world, coming through her experience of a trauma most of us can't even comprehend. So on the show today, Leah and Todd talk about their craft, what it took to complete Big Sonia, and what it took to complete the circle and get distribution on PBS where Big Sonia is currently playing across the United States until the end of the year. Todd and Leah have also worked with me on my first two feature documentaries, The Breach in the Wild. Todd did all the animation and the post-production supervision and the graphics, all the beautiful stuff you see on screen. Most of that is Todd's. And Leah is an impact producer on The Wild and does an incredible job of bringing the message out into the world where people can actually take, it, take action with it. So uh, with that, I'm going to give you one last little plug here for the holiday season and uh, an opportunity to get great, meaningful gifts at avaswild.com. That's the word save, spelled backwards, wild.com. Most notably, a chef's box where your loved ones and your coworkers, your friends, your family can get two fillets of frozen salmon, two alder planks, a a jar of Tom Douglas's world-famous salmon rub, and a really cool um, eco-conscious uh, chef's apron. Also want to mention our partners at Magic Canoe, a group of storytellers here in Salmon Country that are doing transformative work and our wonderful creative partners in this storytelling journey we're on here together. So if you want to check them out, they're at magiccanoe.net. For now... Enjoy this amazing story about how to make a film, how to do it the right way, and how to persevere, because it takes a ton of perseverance to make this happen at all, and especially dealing with a story that deals with trauma at its core. And so with that, I give you Todd Soliday and Leah Warshawski. Leah Warshawski and Todd Soliday, welcome. Where are you guys coming to us from today? Uh, Rough life. We're yeah. in we're in Hawaii. We're in Maui at our home office. That is a good place to be um, on all counts. And I know that you bill yourselves as <clears throat> being omnipresent on the west part of the United States, and you've got some uh, representation in Idaho, and sometimes you're around these parts in Seattle. That's pretty cool. Uh, explain this. What what do you guys do? And how do you, how do you <laughs> That is a good question. We're, try, we're still trying to figure that out. I, I do whatever she tells me to do. <laughs> I mean, I went, I went to school in Hawaii. Um, I went to college in, on Oahu and kind of always felt in my heart that I needed to be back in Hawaii on some level. And Todd grew up, um, in Idaho. I grew up Western Montana, Montana and the Idaho. mountains in Idaho and lived in Seattle, worked in Seattle for 25 years and just need the mountains. So. But in the middle, we met in Seattle and ended up, you know, living and working there for 10 to 20 years on and off and um, still have a lot of friends, family and clients in and around Seattle. So we go between the three quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, leads into the next part of this, which is uh, a little deeper dive into your story, like how you got into this work that you do. 
Um, Leah, I'll start with you. How, what what called you to storytelling? What called you to filmmaking in the first place? I I actually got into filmmaking sort of on accident. It wasn't the path that I was going down. I studied Japanese in college and thought that I would go live in Japan and teach English. And while I was in college studying, um, I was working on a boat and doing whale watching and dolphin watching as a part-time job. I was crew on the boat and met someone on the boat who was um, the Marine coordinator for Baywatch at the time. And he was looking for an assistant. Yeah. And Things kind of came together. So no, she wasn't on Baywatch. I wasn't on Baywatch. Oh, wait. I was going to no, say. No, you I thought I was on Baywatch. I know. People get that confused. But, um, Although if you can see us now. <laughs> I only have red bathing suits. But I, um, yeah, ended up working for him on a bunch of shows that was around the same time that Lost was filming and a couple of bigger movies that were all shot on Oahu and um worked as his assistant, worked on the water quite a bit for film and television, and then decided to kind of do my own thing. And during the course of that, really got um, quite passionate about authentic storytelling. And at that time, it was reality TV, but even that was closer to documentary than narrative. So started understanding the power of, of storytelling through film. And um you know, began, began exploring the world and telling some pretty heavy and um, dark, <laughs> dark and light stories and, and understanding more the power of documentary in particular. And, um, you know, met Todd in the middle of that. We ended up going to Africa together and here we are. Well, she I, makes it sound so smart and calculated, and it was, I, it was miscalculated. I, I have no <laughs> idea the best yeah, words, how I ended though. up here. <laughs> well, I hear I, a, a water thread moving through this, which is yeah. interesting because there's a lot of stories on this show that do have that water thread. I think we're kind of naturally gravitate toward one another. Todd, is yeah. there is that similar for you? Is there a water thread in in your story? Can you tell us some more on yours? Well, you know, I, my my work on the water really began with Leah. I'm a I'm a mountain mountain man. Grew up in the west western mountains and always by the water and in rivers and 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 lakes. And then, of course, lived in Seattle for for years working in television news and um, always been by the water. But I think Leah and I our, our first job together. Um, was filming for a a band of Hawaiian lifeguard superhero watermen who came to Idaho to surf whitewater. And it, I mean, if falling in love with Leah wasn't enough, that <laughs> was like the gig to to cement our future together, I guess. I mean, we it was just the two of us. Uh, producing, shooting, directing a short film that, that, that we shot going down the Salmon River with about 15 Hawaiian Adonises. Wow. <laughs> and Leah, uh, Leah broke her leg on that one, and it's a good thing we had lifeguards with and us. And this is happily ever and, after. And yeah, and then here we are. But yes, for sure. Baywatch training that clearly <laughs> pushed you through that. but Clearly, I mean... <laughs> I was in serious training mode and yeah. How do you get your brain around uh, Hawaiian Adonis is surfing the salmon river. That is so rad. Is that yeah, and they were doing it on stand on stand up paddleboards. So literally, literally inflatable boards. class three, four rapids on inflatable uh, stand up surfboards. Now was this an original piece or was this like a branded piece? I know you all do both and could yeah, you Explain uh, both, and it, that it one is both. both. Yeah. It is both. It is both. Yeah. Well, give yeah. give us an idea of what that looks like. I mean, we we had the story in mind. We knew we were going to film it anyway, but then we did start to reach out to different brands um, to see if they wanted to sponsor it. We got a lot of stuff, um, and then we ended up, you know, like shoes and flip flops and C four Waterman boards at the time, and. Um, mm -hmm. One of our friends from Olakai was there and was very generous 
multiple years bringing everybody shoes and we had Smith um, sunglasses at one point. Um, so we were well taken care of. And then in terms of distribution. And lots of rafting trips. <laughs> lots of rafting trips. In terms we're, of distribution, we got it to outside TV and um, we still have some edits to do to actually make it into the we, short that we, we still have a theatrical the short that we, yeah. that we want to bring out of it, a, a deeper dive, a deeper story. Well, that that's great. And I'd love to link uh, some of this work that you're talking about here yeah. on our site. So listeners can check this out. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, distribution, the big D, right. And we're going to, we're going to dig in pretty deep into that here in a, just a bit, but I, I don't think um, folks that aren't doing this kind of work, understand like well let me ask you this how many times have you been asked well why don't you just get it on netflix yeah every day <laughs> i love that every day. literally every day literally okay so right. here and now for both of our sakes can you explain to us why don't you just get it on netflix what is distribution what is this 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 phantasmic thing we speak of uh, when we're talking about filmmaking? Well, I think it can mean different things to different people, but to us, it means being able to get the content seen and out in the world by as many people as possible and in the right format. So you can certainly do distribution through YouTube and people will watch your project, but is it the way that you want them to see it? Is it the right brand? How many people are going to see it? So I think distribution has become actually quite easy. Um, there's so many avenues for distribution. Monetizing it. Is... Monetizing it and the right partners are still difficult. And those are the keys, I think, is figuring out, I mean, anybody can get distribution right now. But who do you want to be in bed with? And, you know, who, who do you want your distribution partners to be? What impact do you want to make through distribution? There's a lot more questions that I don't think people are thinking about that we, you know, and you know this too, as filmmakers who are making content all the time, we're always thinking about the end game and right. beyond. <laughs> so we're always thinking about distribution, but the term has changed a lot. Well, it really is a relationship. And, and it's a very adept thing to say, like, who are you going to get in bed with? It's, it's, how do you want to be represented? How do you want to appear in the world? Mm -hmm. um, and also to the point of monetizing it, it's like, you got to keep the, the thing going. If you want to keep telling stories, it has to be paid for. And I think that's a, mm -hmm. a, some mythology that, uh, you know, you, you make a film and it gets any kind of distribution Mm -hmm. uh, lower D and, um, it is just all of a sudden you get some sort of a big payday and you're moving on to the next mm -hmm. thing, uh, with a plum. And so that leads me into you guys specifically, what keeps you going? You know, this is hard mm -hmm. ass work. It's grinding. <laughs> it's grueling. It and, um, what keeps you going and, and how do you, how do you get out of bed and, and keep that fire lit, uh, to keep doing this work, this truth that you want to get out into the world? It's the stories, man. It's it's the people we meet. It's the lives we that we are so fortunate to be embedded with. Um, you know, we've got two solid projects that we're working on in Hawaii right now, and then the main characters and the associate characters are. I don't. You become so invested in in their their lives and their and their their successes and their pain and. Um, I just was filming yesterday a, a story that we're working on here about a, a luthier, a guitar maker who lives upcountry Maui, and he makes instruments for, you could go down the list of every famous guitar player you've ever heard of, and he's he's that guy, and he wow. makes them from this tiny little shop. And he's a craftsman and a hero and an amazing guy, but the people that come into his shop, um, who the artists who have something to give to the world that are unlocked by this instrument that this guy makes. Uh, this kid that we met two years ago who first held one of these guitars started saving and working three jobs to, to get this instrument that was going to 
you know, put food on the table for his family. And he showed up at the shop yesterday and I'm there with camera and we watched him pick it up for the first time after 200 hours of hand making this, this guitar and um, seeing his face light up and know that this, this instrument is, is going to be his vehicle to bring his passion, his music into the world and, and touch immortality that, that, that guitar is going to his kid and then his grandkid. And I mean, I, I'm emotional about this right now because this was yesterday morning and I thrive. We have a lot of moments like that on those in moments. this career. Yeah. And, and it's not like once a year or twice a year. It's like every week we, we, we have enough projects going on that, that um, I just get so much life energy from other people's soulful revelations, I guess. Yeah. And I, yeah, that is true. It's nice to get paid, but it's not really nice <laughs> to get paid. And I think, but that that's for me by far, that's it. Yeah. As long as I'm paying you. <laughs> wow. That's a whole other complexity. That that's whole a whole other, other, I mean, that's, that's, that's the data type coming out. But. Some, some days are better than others for sure. Yeah. Um, I like, I, I like the challenge of trying to put the pieces together, but I, I do enjoy more and more kind of seeing the impact and understanding impact more and how to, you know, not just create something beautiful, but how to make sure that people see it and that it changes people's lives. And when you are involved in a project like Big Sonia that literally changes people's lives every time they watch it, to be a part of that, to be in the audience, you know, and to be the recipient of um, this information that people are now giving to you or the feelings that they're putting on you. I mean, it's very intense. Um, and there's so many just massive highs and lows throughout the process that I think we've also learned like work is work sometimes. Yeah, and and we have to, we have, we have our own lives and we have other stuff outside of projects that makes us really happy. It's a very fuzzy line though. <laughs> it's a very so, fuzzy line. These things do become part of your life. And, absolutely. But yeah. like this weekend, you know, I'm, there's too much going on. We're forcing a weekend. Or I'm forcing a weekend because I need to be re-inspired. I can't, yeah. I need to go do nothing in order to have more energy to do the work. And we don't often have quote unquote weekends. Yeah. Yes. I, can completely relate yeah. and I, on, on all fronts. Uh, first of all, the, the front of having that connection with another human being. When people ask me the best thing about doing this mm -hmm. work, that is absolutely it. Meeting people, yeah. connecting in an interesting It's such family. a privilege. It's, yeah. it's, it's unlike any, like, I just am so grateful every time it happens and it happens a lot yep. that you're just, welcomed into a life experience that someone else that someone else is that you become a part of and i, I mean it's it's the access yeah it's the access and multiple lives and and leah brought up challenge uh, to me the, the great challenge is to be in a moment like that um and have the right tool the right assembly of tools to film it and capture it so it's translatable and just this the challenge of the acquisition of that moment so it so it does become impactful to somebody on the other side of the planet a year later. You know, that's interesting because for you it's the gear, and for me it's I have to have presence of mind in that moment to shut everything else out and just be present, which is hard. But um, which is why I'm sure you find that's that why too. We're, like, that's why we're good together because I can be I can zero into my you know sixteen by yeah. nine world. But in the, for, yeah, for storytelling, I mean, you Mark, have to do this all the time too. It's like, I've got 20 other things I'm thinking about trying to make the film. And then you're in the situation and you're not going to get the, the best story or get people's trust unless you're totally present in that moment. And um, that can be challenging too, but I think that's, it's a great way to be. It, I was telling the story, um, to a colleague the, the other day, I was uh, up in Bristol Bay last fall filming an elder uh, in a small village called New Stuyahuk. And um, our friend Rick Halford flew me in. And I only had a couple hours to do this. And I had a very light kit and 
challenging, challenging lighting situation, one window in this very dark, small mm-hmm. room. And um, I was literally propping up a, um, a bounce card on my knee, running the camera <laughs> and making sure that the, the audio, he was staying in the audio yeah. and asking the questions and, and being yeah. present at the same time. And it's like, there's, there's some, <laughs> that's challenging. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that for everybody, but yeah. it was, first of all, it was hilarious because it was a circus. And it was, secondly, it was like, it made me focus. Like I yeah. had to go deep into that focus space. Yeah. To Time goes by quickly. Boom. Like that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah well. well, you've mentioned Sonia. And uh, we simply don't have time to cover all the amazing stories you produced on this little one-hour show here. But um, I've been super blessed to work intimately with both of you as impact producers and post-production supervisors, graphics maestro, and dear friends. I also know Big Sonia. The story of your grandmother, mm-hmm. Leah, has been a huge part of both of your both of your professional and personal lives. Yeah, uh, we're going to dig way into that in a second, but. For now, what is the one piece you've worked on that has shaped you as a filmmaker more than other? And we'll start with you, Todd. Well, it would have to be The Breach. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly. Clearly. <laughs> clearly. Uh, <laughs> but beyond, beyond that, beyond that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really tough question because they all – uh, I mean, we gravitate to things that we know are going to deeply move us. Um, and I'm trying to not say Big Sonia <laughs> because there's so many other films, but it is Big Sonia. It is me. big. It is Big Sonia. I I went into it. Lee and I had just met and had worked on a couple of projects together, and she she said, "Hey, I've been thinking about this thing." Um, I don't want to make this, I don't want to be that filmmaker that makes a movie about my family and make, and assume that everybody think it's going to be interesting. Could you just come to with me to Kansas city and meet my grandma and see if there's a story here? Maybe we could, we could make a short film kind of funny about this little old lady in a tailor shop in the basement of a dead mall. And I'm like, whatever you say, dear, I'm (laughs) like, are we getting married? What's the, (laughs) and so we show up in Kansas city and I, been to the Midwest before, but this is like center of the planet, Midwest, middle America, um, abandoned mall. Like there's a Sears store left, but everything in this giant three-story mall built in 1970, I think 68 actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and we walked into the basement in this little corner and there's this four foot eight little woman with a line of people out the door and she's just sitting there holding court, talking story. Uh, and I'm enraptured. And I knew in that moment that this was going to be my life for the next couple of years. We didn't realize it was going to be our life for like the next 12 years, 12 years later. (laughs) Um, uh, not only Sonia and her story and the connection I got through her, but as she does and as the film does with so many who see it, um, it really resonated with my personal journey. And we all have some kind of trauma that we've survived, however big or small. Sonia being the survivor of multiple death, death camps, um, including Auschwitz and Bergen-Belsen. Um, her trauma is huge. My trauma doesn't compare, but it is still my trauma. And we all survive our families one way or another. And man, she just, she just rocked my world. And, and I knew that we had a character that has this incredible survival story on one hand that has to be told and must be remembered, but she's freaking hilarious. I mean, she's four foot eight, hair stacked halfway up that height, decked in leopard print, drives a 1990 pink Buick. Uh, it's gold. It's it's filmmaker gold. And I knew that we could tell her story of her past and entertain at the same time. And it was just how do we get out of the way of ourselves to make this happen? 
and we're still, I, I worked on it this morning. It's still going <laughs> on, <laughs> even though we did, we, we premiered in 2016, <laughs> we did theatrical in 2017 and take it from there. Leah. <laughs> yes. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. And I've had the privilege to work on many, many, many films with many characters and um, including yours, Mark. And they have deeply affected me, all of them. And, uh, but yeah, this one. This one takes the cake. It's close to, close to home. It, it's, it's such a compelling story on every front. And um, Leah, I'm, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit more about your grandma as a person and, and what it was like to, be a family member uh, and a director and yeah, um, put those hats on one at a time. Yeah. I mean, Sonia, Sonia is complicated and there's a lot of things that we see as family members that the outside world doesn't really see or have access to. And so, you know, she, and she's traumatized by what she went through. So she's highly functional and um, that's tricky because she it's almost like she has multiple personalities in different scenarios. But no matter what happens, the trauma is still there. And um, it just comes out in interesting ways. And of course, right, I mean, any of us, this, you know, can understand that. Yep. But making the film was the most time that I'd ever spent with her because we really didn't live close when I was younger. And so it gave me the opportunity to have some kind of relationship with her. And I think the film was just such a blessing because, um, you know, the Holocaust is, she's not the only one who was in death camps and concentration camps in my family. There were other survivors in my family. And um, when everybody was alive, you know, things were very heavy, like every conversation that we had at Passover, anytime we'd get together with family, it, it went dark pretty fast. So we just didn't have, a, you know, a light, happy, normal grandparent relationship ever. Mm. And then we made the film and spent more time with her and had, you know, laughter and some joy and a lot of tuna. <laughs> and, um, I just kind of came to understand her in a different way. And I think she came to understand me in a way that we didn't even know each other really. So we got to know each other and we had um, a lot of fun moments at, you know, film festival, the film gave us access to something we would never have had. And she got to travel with us and she would yeah, never 90, have done that. Before. 90 year old Sonia got to travel to yeah, we, New York. We had some good times. California. She, I learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was so we had we had fun and joy and that's just not something that I had had growing up. What's Sonia like in public? How do people respond to her? I mean, she's a total diva. <laughs> yeah, she's like she's always wanted to be a movie star. You know, you spend time with her. I know. I mean, I don't know who she thought you were. Did she think you were Todd or <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. She she's uh well what I can say from my two in-person meetings with Sonia is uh, she makes you feel like you're the only one in the room. Yes. That's her superpower. Absolutely. 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 We met at a, a preview of um, one of your screenings. Mm-hmm. And then we met and another then in Kansas time. City at the Glenwood Kansas City. And she yeah. came to my movie, The Wild. And um, same, same thing, both times. Uh, intimate, distinct, looks you in the eye, mm-hmm. grabs you by the mm-hmm. hands. Um, I would imagine uh, when you when you're doing screenings and you're fortunate enough to have Sonia along, I'm sure there's some challenges with that as well. But um, does she carry that sense of intimacy uh, with the the folks in your audience? Absolutely, that's her her superpower is that she can really and we've always said this and known this. I mean she she can make you feel like the most special person in the world, and she just she has a sense of like wonderment in the world. She has a sense of wonder and curiosity. Um, that's something I aspire to have more of. And I always think about her in those situations, but she's unique in that way. Um, she's an, she's an extrovert 
um, with people outside of the family. <laughs> She's an extrovert in the world. And she has, um, because of the way she is, you run into some pretty interesting and also funny and potentially dangerous situations um, because just her aura and what she's been through. And, you know, she, she gets speeding tickets all the time or she gets pulled over all the time, but she never gets she tickets. She never gets tickets. <laughs> because she knows, you know, everyone knows her. Or we went to New York for the premiere. We did an interview with her at the New York Times. And before we left the New York Times building, she had become best friends with the security guard and was like giving him, you know, lessons on how to do his job and also the chocolates out of her purse. And, you know, everyone thinks that Sonia is their best friend. And she has a million best friends. And um, that's a lot to live up to. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it's incredible to think about, honestly. And I've seen her. I'm in not an extrovert. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of energy to to be yeah. around and and to contain. And uh, if you're trying to get an objective done, and uh, look, there are I, I couldn't possibly list in this show all of the accolades you've received all of the awards all of the uh, media but could you give me between the two of you a little bit of a chronology of how this experience this is a life experience for you a huge yeah. part of your lives how how has this been for you personally and what have you observed as the outcomes of this film reaching people to this point and we're going to speak in depth about where it's at now reaching a lot more people but for mm -hmm. now, I'm interested in the chronology of how it's come to this point. Um, well, we did a, you know, we made a feature film. We did two years on the road at every festival known to man. Um, and almost, almost, almost <laughs> every festival known to man in most of those were in person. So I was on the road for two years. Todd was on the road for some of that time. Um, then we did a you know, we released it in theaters. So we did a year on the road theatrical. We qualified the film for an Academy Award um, because that was important to our audience. And I think for us to professionally, it was like, hey, you know, why not um, try? Sonia always wanted to receive an Academy Award. So we thought we'll just give it our best shot. Yeah, she was so very we, upset <laughs> that we got, she, we gypped. So we, <laughs> she's like, I'm gypped. Yeah. We, did, we won. We won a lot of awards. We won more than twenty-five awards um, in festivals, and we had a great theatrical run. We broke all of the records at her at the Glenwood Arts Movie Theater at the local theater. We were there for eight months. We were supposed to be there for two weeks, and the film just kept going, and people kept coming back. And we yeah. actually made money on theatrical, which is unheard of. So that was a, a huge win, huge surprise. We made an international broadcast version that has been played in you know, a handful of countries and we're still working on that. We did an educational package that we're still selling. Um, and that's how we kind of pay the rent and keep our business going. Um, and then we just, uh, this summer worked on an interactive kind of legacy project, uh, to make sure that you can have a conversation with her well into the future. And we're also doing a national PBS launch that started, earlier this month. So I keep thinking we're done or we're not, we're done or we're taking a break. Um, it ebbs and it, there's been a lot of ebb and flow over the last 12 years. And I think right now we're definitely in this, in the swing of it again with PBS. Um, but it's in a way that is healthier and more calculated, I think, and feels better to me than it did a couple of years ago when it was just full frenzy, um, having to be on the road all of the time and the talking, two, talking two, about this and talking about trauma and family mm -hmm. trauma was really, really hard. Two for years me. on the road to, took a toll. It was both yeah. extremely exciting and validating. And, you know, one night you're in New York at a screening, two nights later, you're on the West coast and then we wake up in Shanghai and we're screening the film and it's just so it's a blast and exhausting. And when somewhere in the middle of that, I'm watching Leah 
up on stage for the 180th time, <laughs> answering the deepest, darkest, most personal questions about her family and what they survived and are still surviving, it kind of started to um, be clear that that not only is there a great, great revelation coming out of it, but it's, but it's taken a toll. Yeah. It, it took a huge toll on my life and our life, but I do feel like it, I'm in a, I'm working through that now and I'm in a much healthier place because I've had time to get my life back on track, you know, being on the, as you know, very well to go on the road with a film and to have it be so personal is you know, there's a lot that you have to do to get through that. And um, it's not always healthy. Well, thank you for going into those waters for a moment. I know that can be triggering and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, would you say, would you say you're proud of it though? I mean, I'm proud. I'm proud of you for. Yeah, I don't, I don't really miss it. <laughs> I'm sure you don't miss it, but here's the, here's the thing, Mark. Here's the thing. But, so the film is one, the film is one thing. And as you know, being present at a screening is absolutely necessary if you want to have impact. I mean, it does give life to the film. In this case particular, the well, film- like Mark too, because you're, that's, you're in- You're in the film. You're, you're, you're the movie. You're the movie. And those screenings were half the film and half the Q&A as far as impact. Mm-hmm. Many, many of those screenings, the deepest impact was the Q&A after. And people didn't want to leave. I mean, it was it was theater owners coming out and saying, uh, flipping the lights, saying it's time to time to go. Uh, can, you move, can you move Sonia to the lobby? We got to clear. The <laughs> and theater. like with you, you know, you're talking about very personal things in the film, and then it brings up people relate to that, and they want to tell you about their very personal stories. Absolutely. And so then yeah. you're carrying not only your shit, but there other other there people. You're carrying everything. There, there's no question about it. Um, yeah, I, I've had. I don't know how much I've lost count, uh, how many folks have asked if, um, they could be connected in a personal way or have their literally like, um, one woman after a screening asked if, um, she could connect her brother with me from prison mm-hmm. to yeah. talk yeah. about recovery. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and I said yes to all of them, um, because it's important, but it does, it's, um, it, it is, it's grueling. And, um, yeah, I think you have to, you have to set some boundaries, and I've gotten better at that. I think I was not prepared for the amount that I would have to set, and now I'm real clear about how much I can do and yeah. how much I just can't do. Um, so that's got that's gotten better, and I I'm in a better place. But it it you know it took a lot of trial and error. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, I'm in exact same scenario. It, boundaries and being loving to people, uh, as well as myself and yes, um, having grace for yourself, having grace for others, doing yeah. what you need to do to stay healthy and well. And you know, that might have nothing to do with work. You might just need to go away for a little while. Yes. That's a good the water. Idea. The water. <laughs> that's a very good idea. I get little <laughs> mini recipes, but, um, it is a balance. And, um, though I, I do know, I I've seen firsthand the impact that this film and and the energy and the love that you two and and Sonia have put into this thing have absolutely impacted other people in huge ways. Can you talk about that in a little bit? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the biggest, there's a lot of outcomes. (laughs) Um, some of, some of the biggest are, that we've um, we've encouraged and inspired more empathy and compassion yeah. for humanity and everybody who watches this film. And especially in a time when the wheels are coming in a off. time when the world, you know, we've been through a lot in the last 12 years. So we have we the film has given people um, more empathy and compassion for others and some understanding. It's definitely. um been impactful for teenagers in that you know when they they could they can relate to her story because Sonia was their age when she would you know watched her mother die and when she was in these camps during the war so it's especially impactful for teenagers 
who are going through, you know, what every teenager, you know, bullying um, is huge. Uh, anti-Semitism, you know, just having understanding for other people and for your own family. And so we've had thousands of responses from teenagers that tell us, you know, maybe my, maybe, you know, not getting what I wanted for Christmas isn't such a big deal. Or in, in extreme cases, you know, I was thinking about hurting myself and now I'm not, you know, these are pretty powerful stories that, you know, teenagers are telling us, you know, I, I was having suicidal thoughts. I watched the film. I'm going to get help or, you know, what, what, what more a, can you ask for? A, a really? veteran, a veteran, <laughs> and veterans, a veteran and walked veterans up to us well, at a yeah. screening in Kansas city. A veteran walked up to us. Sony, Sony's holding court next to us, but this, this person got that the film is what reached him and came up with his daughter and said, I have severe PTSD and this is the first time I brought my daughter to this film and this is the first time I could somehow relate it to her through, through Sony's story. It it, opens up these really tough conversations conversation to, to, to me and my daughter for her to understand what I'm going through. Yeah. And it just goes, of course there's Holocaust education involved and that's, you know, a big goal of ours, but also, um, for second generation and third generation Holocaust survivors to feel like they're part of a bigger community and to feel like they're not alone because a lot of people don't talk about it. A lot of families of survivors aren't ready to talk about it. And so there's a huge community that we've, you know, tapped into and been a not, part not of Not only Holocaust, this second, third generation, but, no, but trauma survivors. Trauma survivors. Second, third generation. Um, yeah, and you know, people feel that the film gives them a way to start a conversation about their own trauma. So we have had a lot of responses from people who the film triggered something in their own life and now yeah. they're ready to talk to their family about it or they're going to get help. So yeah, a lot I'll, of healing has happened. I'll go back to like that. day one in the in that shop, in her tailor shop, the first day I met her. Um we didn't film, we were I was scouting basically. And I got in the car with Leah afterwards and I told her, I said, I want to make this movie because it's going to be a movie that's going to make an audience leave the theater and call their mom. And it absolutely is true to this day. It makes you want to reconnect or connect. Even if everything's good in your life, you can't help but want to connect to those you love. And I, and I think about that every day. Sonia has been on the far end of the human experience, the mm-hmm. suffering, yeah. the suffering yeah. she's endured and, and the relationships that she, she has subsequently fostered and, uh, and um, cultivated and grown. Um, you're a part of that. I'm a part of that through the, and, and she's going to live on. I mean, most people having a movie about them is right like something unthinkable, right? Most that's, that's 99% of the population, but there's another way that Sonia's also going to live on and continue to tell this story so that we don't forget. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, this summer we filmed actually last summer, we filmed, uh, a new dimensions and testimony project with her that was started by the Shoah foundation. And now, um, we're working with a, a company called Storyfile to essentially, you know, we recorded and filmed Sonia for a week. And the Storyfile team asked her like more than a thousand questions. And it's a question and response interactive um, technology. It uses that, AI to create a, a version of Sonia that is lifelike and will respond to you on a screen in a museum or a cell phone, on, a cell or a phone on your laptop, on your iPad. Um, and it's a way for people of all ages to hear it's her story, to have a conversation, having a conversation with her f- yeah. for eternity. That is incredible. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little creepy, but it's also very cool. And um, we just this morning saw 
the finished version and now we need to test it as much as possible because the more you test it, I guess the smarter it gets. The smarter Sonia gets. So <laughs> hopefully she'll it's be amazing. able to ask herself the questions if we, you know, we want to premiere it, I guess, in the fall. And so she would be asking herself questions on the screen, which, which will be a trip. Which will be hilarious because she's, <laughs> she may disagree with herself. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll, that'll be a moment for sure. Be a moment. <laughs> we, you know, it's another spinoff. Yeah, it's like we, we didn't think that was going to happen either. I mean, we knew about the program. We, we, we'd done um, research about the program. We knew what the cost was. We went to USC. We, we tested it. We tested it at, at many, many years ago. And then we said, you know what? There's no way we can do this. It's too expensive. We're raising money to finish the film. That's the focus. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was always cost prohibitive um, because it's new technology and it's an enormous setup. It's not, you know, it's, a, <laughs> I think we had 10 to 15 people there every day. It's a big crew. It's, you know, so, we flew out, the crew from LA flew out the show. It's it's an immersive camera acquisition. It's a, it's, it's a large scale project. So we had shelved, you know, we tabled it. And then because of COVID, we were doing more virtual screenings, which was great for me because I didn't have to be on the road mm. and we could still talk to people. It didn't hurt the, the, the 60 minutes aired. And the 60 minutes it. keeps airing. And every time that airs, people get in touch with us. So, um, Somebody, yeah, at the end of a, Q, a Zoom Q&A, someone asked, well, what else do you guys want to, the film is done, like, what else do you want to do? And I was like, well, there's always been this, this idea that maybe we would do this, you know, this new dimensions and testimony, but we just have, it's, it's quite expensive. We haven't been able to wrap our heads around how that would work. And one person who's a, a friend of the project and also a friend of ours was on that Q&A and she just said, we're going to do this. We're making it happen. And I was like, okay, I let's, we'll do, let's try. And um, we got a, a committee together, you know, which was super important. So it didn't all fall on my shoulders. And mm-hmm. that was hugely helpful. And we had people helping us and advocating for us and reaching out to their friends. And we were able to raise the money to make it happen. And now once it's out this fall, um, I'll be doing a ton of outreach, trying to get it into museums and schools and you know, lobbies. <laughs> um, it, there are other survivors who have done this and are doing it, but, you know, because of Sonia's personality and just how unique she is. And like, of course we had to put her in a leopard print chair and no one had ever done that before. And like, you know, it's Sonia. It's like, yep. it's really sad because someday she's not going to be here. Yeah. Um, but this ensures that, you know, her story at least is going to live on forever and ever and ever. I mean, this is a huge legacy. The film is a legacy and this is another legacy. <laughs> this is another piece. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely incredible. I saw the 60 minutes piece, both, both times they've aired it. And yeah, it's, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out, do, do a search on it. It's, uh, it's just amazing. It feels like you're in front of this person actually having yes. a conversation. Yeah. It's a trip. It's a trip. It's a trip. And you know what a great compliment to th- this emerging technology is to uh, the storytelling work that we do. And um, obviously, when you have the links for this project going live, we will share and disseminate. Thank you, thank you. Yes, yeah, we put everything on our big Sonia website, so I think that's the clearinghouse for excellent all things. Excellent. Well, that that will be the, uh, the the focal point here as well on on this show's Thank site. Um, now, uh, one more question on on Sonia, and and then moving on uh, from there. But uh, where is it now? You mentioned PBS. This is a huge deal. Mm. Yeah, coming to the big D distribution. Yeah, that is the kind of the brass ring for all, for all of us in this business. What happened? Um, you mean, how did we get there or what's happening from here? What's happening from here with, with PBS and, um, and so we have, um, yeah. yeah, right now we've got 900 something air dates, um, that started in the beginning of April and right now are going through the middle of May, but I anticipate it'll, you know, it's happening for the next three years. It's just really heavy this month in May. We're going to do another push, um, January and February, 2023. So 
by the time we're done, we'll have probably thousands of, of air dates and a few million people will have seen the film, although it's a it's an hour-long version of the film, so we did have to cut it for PBS specs. Um, but we'll be working on it again, like the ebb and flow, probably for the next three years. Um, at some points, we'll be working on it more than others. And our most important goal, really, and the thing that we're most passionate about is this educational package that we have, mm-hmm. that we created. And continue to market and promote and sell to schools and organizations. And our goal is to get that into as many schools as humanly possible so that the next generation, you know, is able to learn from the film and the entire package. Um, My hope is that when people see the PBS version, that they'll be interested in the film enough to reach out and say, you know, I want my kids to watch this, or I need my kids school to see this. That's our hope. Um, or I hear there's a feature version. Or I hear there's a feature version, although we don't make, I mean, to be quite honest, we make no money on the feature version. So, yeah. But as the editor, it's hard. As the editor, it's you want to lose you that wanna make 30 minutes. 50 man. cents on the, not even 50 cents. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that, you know, education was our goal since the very, very beginning. I mean, within our lifetime, all the survivors are going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And so, everything that we're doing is just a way to um, ensure that reach young people. we can reach younger audiences. Yeah. So folks that want to see the film can see the PBS version pretty much across the country at this point yeah. and look up their local PBS listings. We're yes. 95% of stations. It's pretty much on every PBS station at some point in the, <laughs> in the, next, couple in the next couple months. Well, congratulations, you two. You are my heroes. I am just in awe of your tenacity and your vision and your willing this story up the mountaintop. This is Hmm. just incredible. And and if you haven't seen it out there, uh, check your local listings for PBS and then bigsonia.com is the central place to see the the film in its entirety and check out the education kit uh, for schools, universities. Um, it's the biggest part of this, this whole story. Um, but I did want to ask y'all um, each of you, what story uh, Todd, let's start with you. What story do you have a burning desire to tell that maybe you haven't done yet? Mm. We started filming in COVID, a story of a local surf instructor who, uh, in Hawaii, as you know, when COVID happened, tourism ended overnight. And so this economy is 80% a tourism economy. And so this surf instructor who'd been here for 30 years doing his thing suddenly had no employment. Uh, and rather than asking for help or, or caving in, he stood up and decided it's time to give back to my community. And so he started rounding up every kid who was out of school and many of them who were without a home because there is quite a homeless problem here in the islands and took these kids to the ocean and taught them to surf. And that's what he did. And he's hell bent on creating a generation of um, good humans uh, from his lessons that go beyond uh, how to stand up on a surfboard. And he's just an amazingly powerful, uh, humble uh, monster of a man. (laughs) His name is Bully. And the film is Uncle Bully's Surf School. And we are still in production, though we've begun editing just because we believe this needs to get out as soon as possible. There's so many. He's got he's got so much to say um, that is timely. But what he brings out of kids is really the gold for me. Um, Kids have not had the quote unquote privilege of being jaded by the world and they have a pure a pure insight, I think. And if we could be a lot more like our child selves, maybe we'd all be getting along a little bit better. And uh, 
this this film we filmed it in a way that's extremely intimate um where you go out into the waves with bully the instructor and these seven eight nine-year-old kids and everybody has a microphone and a camera right there in that intimate moment and the parents aren't there and it's just a kid on the water with a guy who has something to say about ocean and life and what happens in those unedited intimate moments is is uh well i've never i haven't seen anything like it and so i'm really excited to bring that out cannot wait yeah i'm excited for that oh. one too and anything outside <laughs> on the water i really i really um want to do something different next time or i want an opportunity to um we we keep trying to get away from stories that are so heavy and involved and multi-year but we get pulled back into these deep intense stories time. and there's a big part of me that's ready for just something totally, totally different. Um, and I don't know exactly what that is just yet, but I would, I would be pretty happy being away from the screen and just kind of out in the world for a little while. Well, when you open yourself up to the universe and, and yes. uh, get, let go, it seems yeah. like those things tend to happen. And yeah. uh, I, I know, I know your practice and I know, that's kind of the space that you're, you're trying to mm -hmm. occupy. So uh, mm -hmm. I can't wait to find out what that is and hopefully be of service to you. And when yeah, let's do it together. I'm at this point. Yeah. I'm, I, I think I just have to set the right intention. There's a lot of stuff swirling, but being on the water is a huge part of that and being outside and um, around animals and nature. I think it's just so healthy for, our souls. And if we can tell stories at the same time, great. But honestly, if it, if that's just soul fulfilling in another way, I'm happy to not be working the entire time too. Heard that. A couple, couple last questions to wrap this up for you. Um, for our artists and filmmakers, composers, coders, everyone with a dream listening, how do you keep this dream of saving what you love and telling these stories that you love going in your daily life? Hmm. Well, I think we, we both prioritize authenticity, storytelling, um, beauty, you know, doing things in a way that we're going to be proud of, um, conservation, resilience, you know, these are values and core values that Todd and I both have and feel strongly about and come together on. So it's great to have a partner in that. I think it would be, it's, it's hard to do anything on your own, but especially in this industry, I think we, we both just have really clear values and priorities when it comes to saving what, what we love, who we love, <laughs> In a lot of cases. <laughs> and, and we, you know, our relationship, we constantly challenge each other. Not, you know, not in a direct way, but just we both want to impress the other. And I, I know for me, I'm constantly refining my craft, whether I'm holding a camera or I'm editing something I shot. I'm constantly looking for the new, better um, or efficient way to get the gear out of the way and, and capture the story. Um, and I just, I just think it's the, subjecting myself constantly to the challenge, being open to the challenge of that. Yeah. And I think we're now getting smarter about taking care of ourselves because we understand deeply that we can't really save anybody else or anything that we love if we aren't in a good place in our own lives. Yeah, and, and that's I, become more and more apparent and important in the last couple of years. And yes. It's a. It's now a huge part of our life is actually taking care of ourselves. Yes, and I, would, each other. I would say without a, <laughs> without a doubt, for me to be fresh in it and and work every day at it, I need to put it down. Yes, and just go put my feet in the ocean or my body in the ocean. Yes, or put my head under and look at the amazing, beautiful beasts that are there that we so want to be a part of saving yeah. and just 
experiencing awe as mm-hmm. much as we can. And awe could be the sunrise. Mm-hmm. Awe could be the freaking whale that almost dumped us out of our kayak last month. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's, it, it's awe is everywhere. And I'm extremely intentional about finding that every day. Amen. I had a um, friend and mentor uh, discussion recently, and they asked me um, if I could make one wish, what would it be? And I don't know where this came from, but it, it just came out of me from somewhere else. But it would, it, it, it was, if I had one wish, I wish that my fear would be transformed into wonder. Hmm. Wow. That's great, Mark. And that's exactly mm. it. Uh, we can choose to pull away and go put your head underwater mm-hmm. or walk a river or uh, kayak or uh, take a, white, a hike with somebody you love. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's up to us. And then the rest is, you know, putting yourself in that position and then being open mm-hmm. to what the universe will provide you mm-hmm. yeah and i think our day-to-day lives can easily pull us into believing that what's most important is that we stay in front of our screens and get the work done get the work done always make but I, if you're intentional about just getting your ass outside or somewhere where you can just feel wonder for mm-hmm. two minutes it's it, it resets everything well and i think to bring this all back around actually to sonia that is yes the superpower. That's what people aspire to do. And that's what she, she does so well is she has turned her trauma into awe and wonder. And when you're around her, you feel that and you see it and you witness it and you think, Oh my gosh, why can't I do more of that? Yeah, if she can do it, um, I can do it. And exactly. it's the small stuff. It's not even the big stuff. You know, it's the smallest thing. It's a butterfly. It's a flower. It's a fish. I mean, whatever it is, she operates in the world like that. And so everything that we're talking about right now actually comes back to. Yeah, maybe that was a big takeaway for me. To that. Given what you know, especially in the lens of um, Sonia and that work that you've done, how do we, how do we start finding a way to sit down at the long table with one another again and having conversations about how to find our similarities that unite us as the same species as opposed to divide and further put us into tribal positions that are creating strife and suffering in the world. Yeah. I I mean, I think about this a lot. One day at a time. It's the empathy gap, man. Put yourself, just stop talking, stop talking. (laughs) Less 24 hour news cycle, more actually like authentic human storytelling and listening. Stop talking and, um, and stop talking in your head when someone else is talking and just listen and try to be where they are. Like even if you disagree, just to be present, just be present and hearing someone else's place at the other end of the table. Completely agree. Amazing what happens when you listen. Amazing what happens. Mm -hmm. Well, look, you two are so generous with your time and we have much more to catch up on. Thank you for for your time. I know you're so busy as well. And we really appreciate the chance to, to talk with you in depth and talk about the hard stuff. Cause I think that's another step in all of this too is. I agree. Yeah, I agree. All right. You don't get out of here without the bonus round though. So between the two, <laughs> of you, you can jump in and mix and match this. But you, if you've listened to this show before, you know, this uh, fantastical question about uh, if in your case, if you had a tsunami coming, and you now you're in the you're you're above sea level so if the tsunami comes i'm staying right where i am locusts are coming okay. and they're gonna take everything other than your loved ones what's the one thing that you take out of the house physical thing that you take our dog of course yeah a dog right now <laughs> although he's bugging the shit out of me now maybe i'd leave you yeah i'd leave you. um <laughs> the one thing i Take it out of the house. Honestly, I wouldn't take a thing. Mm. Um, I'd love to start over. I'd love to start over from nothing. <laughs> and I would have more stress trying to figure out what the one thing is than just starting from scratch. Love it. Um, I, yeah, there's something so freeing about having nothing. Um, 
that that's very appealing to me, actually. <laughs> the idea of everything, that everything might go away and that I'd just be left with my own devices. Wow, that is so Leah. It is, isn't it? That is, <laughs> that is so me and that's so not taught. How do I follow that up? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> my lenses, my <laughs> water <laughs> bottle. How do I? How do I possibly follow that? <laughs> That's wow. just how I operate. I locust take me. Just <laughs> shake me. Transport me from this place. That's right. How about, wow. What about on the metaphysical level? What is one trait about each each one of you that you would want to take if you could only take that one thing about you? Mm. About Todd or about myself? Much self. Oh, that's harder. <laughs> um, well, a trait that I'd want to take of hers or a trait? No, a trait you want to take of yours. What's your that's, favorite trait about yourself? Yeah, the thing that you, you think would uh, you couldn't do without or has served you best in life. I hmm. have an intense and unending and proudly uh, stated zest for living. <laughs> I am curious, constant state of wonderment, and it just gives me great zest for trying anything and everything. And that would be it. And I know that she loves that about me, so I had to say that. It's true. I think just I think my survival sense of um, survival at all cost. You know, calm in the storm, get through it kind of mentality, because there's no other option. Um, and I mean, I'm sure that's genetic and been, we all know where that comes from, but I think that's, that's something that's really strong inside of me. Leah Warshawski, Todd Soliday, filmmakers, storytellers, change makers. Thank you so much for your friendship and for your stories that are changing this world. Thank you so much. Thank you. I can't wait to, can't wait to do more with you. Indeed, indeed, same here. And for folks that want to find the work that you're doing, can you give us a place to go? Yeah, um, bigsonia.com, B-I-G-S-O-N-I-A.com, or our company, which is inflatablefilm.com. Lots of info on both of those, and we're we're very accessible and easy to get in touch with, so happy to um, connect. Yeah, our films that are currently in production are at inflatablefilm.com. I think they're right at the top. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. My friends, thank you for this conversation. We'll see you down the track. Thanks, Mark. Love you, man. Love you, too. Thank you. How do you say what you love? How do you say what you love? Thank you for listening to Say What You Love. If you like what you're hearing, you can help keep these conversations coming your way by giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts. You can check out photos and links from this episode at avaswild.com. While there, you can join our growing community by subscribing to our newsletter. You'll get exclusive offers on wild salmon shipped to your door and notifications about upcoming guests and more great content on the way. That's at avaswild.com. That's the word save spelled backwards, wild.com. This episode was edited by Patrick Troll. Original music was created by Whiskey Class. This podcast is a collaboration between Ava's Wild Stories and Salmon Nation and was recorded on the homelands of the Duwamish people. We'd like to recognize these lands and waters and their significance for the peoples who lived and continue to live in this region, whose practices and spiritualities were and are tied to the land and the water, and whose lives continue to enrich and develop in relationship to the land, waters, and other inhabitants today.